0: Breaking down Wisconsin basketball. This is the Swing with Zach Heilprin and Jesse Temple on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Yes, welcome into the Swing here on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. I'm Zach Heilprin. He's Jesse Temple. Well, it has not been a great week for Wisconsin basketball. It wasn't a great week for the Swing either, uh, because we recorded an episode last Wednesday. It became outdated almost immediately. We lost uh, when when Kobe King announced that he was leaving the program and then also Brad Davison being suspended. So we apologize. We did not get to put an up episode out uh, last week. We were back, and it was not a good week for Wisconsin, but it was a good weekend for the Badgers as they uh, beat Michigan State. They were without Kobe King, without Brad Davison. They beat Michigan State 64-63. to They moved to 13-9 in the year and 6-5 and in Big Ten play, only two games out of first place uh, with nine games to play. There's a lot of other teams in that mix as well. Uh, And Wisconsin is a part of that, but uh, lots to get to. We're going to be chatting with uh, Jim Polzine for the Wisconsin State Journal coming up in a little bit. He was the one that uh, talked with Kobe King. We get his take on that and, uh, and and a couple other topics as, as well. But Jesse, that win on Saturday and we'll talk about the Kobe thing and the, and the Brad Davidson thing, but I did think the win is important to talk about first and foremost, because of everything that they went through to come out and have the first half they did, and then to hold on for dear life, and win that game. It's the biggest win by far this year and one of the bigger ones of Great Guard's tenure. That's exactly what I was going to
1: say. It's the most significant win, at least in the last few years, because of everything that had been swirling around the program. And it's funny how narratives get started, because I wrote about this in my story off the game, that the words chaos and Wisconsin are almost never seen in the same sentence. We know the Badgers have been a model of stability for the last 20 plus years. And yet, this week, that's pretty much all we heard, that Kobe King was leaving the program, Brad Davison was suspended because of what the Big Ten deemed a pattern of behavior that had previously been established, and I think people were conflating two completely different situations and putting them together. But nonetheless, that was what was being said. Wisconsin basketball is on the verge of collapse, potentially, and yet here they are beating the co-Big Ten leaders in Michigan State after losing two straight. And this, to me, is the type of win that changes a season. And I know sometimes... We can speak in hyperbole in the media, but just because of the win, the opponent, what was going on, I think this changes everything for this team because it shows them what they're capable of. And the fact that they did it with seven scholarship players and really a seven-man rotation when for the second semester on, they had a nine-man rotation, just unbelievable.
0: It is. And you mentioned the chaos and, and that narrative that was put out by at least one national publication and at least one national writer. And I know... You are not in the business of criticizing other people in this business, but I will. Rob Douster coming out and saying that the Kobe situation and the Brad Davison situation sent Wisconsin spiraling into disarray was a little over the top, I thought. And it was great to see that Wisconsin shut that narrative up pretty quickly on Saturday because it is Wisconsin is more of the program than they are parts of the you know the the parts that come together and make the program are much better than just one or single one player here one player there and the way that they played in that first half was one of their better performances obviously when you're when you're leading Michigan State the way that they did and for them to find a way even with a little bit of Michigan State's help there uh, find a way to win that game you're right it does change a lot for this team because right now you're we we talked about it they need they need to get 18 wins to make the NCAA tournament they're five wins they're five wins shy with nine to, nine to go, and five of those final nine games are at home, so they'll have that going for them. But I just thought that it was an opportunity for them to shut up a lot of people, and they did it. And
1: I, I thought it was interesting what Tom Izzo said after the game. We, we...
0: I don't know, like who is he? T- okay, go ahead and tell him and what he said because he he called out like a, a Wisconsin media member. So, like I don't know what he was talking about. You
1: there. know, I actually I wrote the story, and then before it published, I, I told my editor I think this is not what he meant. This is actually what he meant to say. He said that he had his people, he's not on Twitter, he said that he had people tell him about, and he said it was a reporter that asked Greg about the program being in disarray. Which never happened. And I wrote it, and then on my way home, I was like, I was at that Thursday press conference, and no one actually asked him about that, and then I put two and two together and realized someone probably showed him the story. It wasn't someone specifically asking Greg straight up, is the program in disarray? It was the story that we we previously referenced about uh, someone proclaiming the program to be in disarray, but either way, Tom called the query ridiculous, and he's really been an advocate for for Greg. Tom is is the the elder statesman in the Big Ten. We had a chance to talk to Greg on Thursday, which I thought was a fascinating 20-plus minutes because it was really Greg defending the program and the direction of the program. Um, But he said that Tom called him Wednesday night, and they talked about a few things. But I I thought Izzo... He said, we got our ass kicked today by a team that played for their coach, played for their school, played for each other. Uh, and I just thought that was really interesting. Now, coaches are going to stick up for other coaches, but I think that was pretty significant.
0: It was. And the thing about Tom Izzo, it's kind of funny, is because when Wisconsin started getting good again, and obviously Izzo, that 2000 Final Four run that they had, and then beating like the only team Wisconsin lost to like in the final two months of the season was Michigan State, and there was some bad blood there with... You know, with with Tom Izzo and Bo Ryan to begin his tenure because Wisconsin never beat Michigan State until Bo Ryan came, and then they started beating them. They ended their fifty some odd game home winning streak, and they, there was a lot of back and forth there. But I think as he's gotten older, and honestly, they've become more successful against Wisconsin. I mean, this this broken eight game winning streak for Michigan State on Saturday that he has become a little bit more in Wisconsin fans mind more um, tolerable. You know what I mean? But he does. He has a lot in common with Greg Gard, having to replace legends. And obviously he's taken the Michigan State program to another level, even more so than Judd Heathcote had it at. But they have, it's 20 years apart, of course, but like it's, they have common ground. And I think I never would have bet at the beginning of the 2000s that Tom Izzo would be coming there and saying that and uh, Wisconsin fans would be actually warm to the idea of Tom Izzo. Like that's kind of an upset there.
1: And Greg talked about how much he appreciated the support. Another interesting thing that he said after the game, uh, Greg did, was the people that he listens to, and the the quote that he said is, never take criticism from anybody you would never ask advice from. And he said that he's willing, he'll listen to Tom Izzo. He'll listen to Bo Ryan. He'll listen to Dick Bennett, guys who have been through the wars and the battles of of Big Ten basketball and understand it. I thought that was interesting too.
0: I'll rarely take any life lessons from a press conference, like ever. Like, any press conference, any coach, doesn't matter if it's Greg Gard or you know, Mike Krzyzewski or Bill Belichick. Like, I'm not sitting there trying to get life lessons from him, but like, that's a really, really good way of thinking about things. Because in this age of criticism that happens every single day, including us criticizing on this program, his program, like, and on Twitter, people criticizing everybody else, would you take advice for them? If you would not take advice from those people, then you shouldn't listen to the criticism. It's easier said than done, but I think that's a really, really good life lesson.
1: Yeah, I do too. I, I just I thought that was really interesting. And Greg talked about that it's not easy to do those things, and he's been in this profession long enough to know that things aren't going to go your way sometimes, and there's going to be hard seasons, is what he said. What he said, there's going to be rough spots that you hit, but. It's all about being steady and, and making sure that your players don't fall into that too because we know these guys are 18 to 22 years old. They're on Twitter. They're on social media. They see what's being said, but to be able to block it out and to be able to go play and win that game, that, really was, that was a program win. And I also thought it was telling that Greg said in the postgame press conference about the importance of playing for that W, playing for alumni, playing for – Ah, uh, the people that matter, and you I know, there's we, one player who's not on the team right now, um, and, and so I just thought it was noteworthy the way Greg phrased things in the post game press conference.
0: And he he said it well. He said it on Thursday too, and he said it apparently in the post game interview on TV, and said it in the post game interview on the radio, and then said it again. When he met with the media in the press room. So I think it's something that he is hammering home. And there's only one person, you might not want to say the name, but I'll say it Kobe I'll say King. It. <laughs> that's exactly who he's talking about, Kobe King. Like, there's there's no doubt that that is what it is. And that's fine. Hey, that's fine because Kobe King came at them with some of the comments that he, he told Jim. And we'll talk again, we'll talk with Jim about those comments. But he came at them, and there's no reason that Wisconsin should sit there and take that. I mean, I, especially when you feel so strong because they are they are very strong comments and they're they're hits at your integrity, at your program's integrity, at your personal integrity. It's it's hits at a lot of different things and I think that if he needs to do that, there's it's this isn't really necessarily about taking the the higher ground. You know what I mean? It's, it's being the better the better man or anything like this. This is someone attacking you personally and you have to react to it. Greg really did defend the program and he had to
1: on Thursday when he met with yeah. us and he, I thought he did a really good job at it, and he more than once pointed out that there are nine recruits that are coming in in the next two recruiting classes. The first time he did so in his introductory statements, it was without prompting. Yes. And then he was asked a little bit more about it, and he talked more about it, but he wanted to send a message, too, that this is one player who is unhappy with the program. You've still got everybody else on the team right now. Everyone else showed up to that game at Iowa. Everyone else showed up and uh, did their best to either support the team or... Do, do well on the court against Michigan State, but you've got nine recruits coming in. This is a top 20 recruiting class in the next class, 2020, where you've got five players, and already you've got four or three four-star players that are committed in the 2021 class. Wisconsin has not had three four-star players in a class in 15 years, 14, 15 years, so he's developing something,
0: and he wanted everyone to know that. And I think that's what it what he was trying to hammer home, Like the and it's not just that he has those classes, those guys are excited to get here. Is what he said. You know, he, he and they went up to to lacrosse. Now, Greg said they had not been up there, you know, in a while, and so they went up to see him. But I think we we know why they went up there to talk to the Davis twins and get their feeling because they went to the same. They played with Kobe King at Lacrosse Central. They they won a state championship with Kobe King, and so it's one of those things where you just want to get their feelings about it and get and answer any questions. And according to their dad, who talked to pretty much everybody in the world this week, uh, he said. They're all in and they're excited and I don't I don't disagree. I mean, Johnny Davis wants to play early and Kobe King leaving does not hurt that. You know what I mean? Like that's that's a situation where he wants to play right away and with Kobe not here, that opens up the possibility that he can and that the and you know and the other four guys in the class as well. They're already signed. If they wanted to get out, I think they probably would be able to, but it doesn't sound like they have it. And then you have the younger guys. I should not say, Lauren Bowman, uh, his dad you know, came out pretty strongly in, in support of Greg Gard. And then also we had uh, Chucky Hepburn's mom on Twitter also respond to Barstool Badgers uh, tweeting out, Greg Gard gone ASAP, needs to, needs to leave ASAP or be fired ASAP. And she's like, well, I hope not because my son can't wait to play for him. And, and Chucky came out and said the same thing. So, like, there's, there's guys that are, that are stepping up. And even after, and after the game, the various players coming out. Frank Kaminsky had not tweeted since August. He comes out with a pretty strong message about how it's easy to lead when everything's going well. It speaks volumes about how you lead when things aren't going well and how much love he has for Greg Gard. He was not the only one. D.A. Dukin did. Uh, Sam Decker did. John Luer did. Like All these guys came out and uh, supported Greg Gard, and I don't know if that was just on their own. Either way, to come out and say the way that, or talk the way that they did, the program's rallying around Greg Gard, both future and past. I think that support
1: says a lot about greg's how secure he is at wisconsin now you ultimately have to win games on the court right if wisconsin collapses down the stretch and doesn't go to the ncaa tournament or sneaks in and loses the first game and then it's been several years since they won maybe the conversation is a little bit different but at least as of right now it's exactly as you said to have the parents of two recruits one of which is already signed in lauren bowman and melissa hepburn the, the mom of chucky hepburn to say what they said on social media, and Chucky with the hashtag in guard we trust, I think that says a lot, but the former players too. Greg has built up some some clout, um, and I think just because one player is leaving doesn't mean that the program is in shambles, and you're seeing that.
0: Yeah. Um, again, the Kobe King story dominated the headlines last week. Brad Davison not playing. He certainly looked like he was... <laughs> <laughs> struggling to be on the bench the way that he was, was going crazy uh, and that was probably extremely tough for him. We'll, we'll talk about that uh, coming up in a little bit, but this hasn't been a good spot, right? I mean, 6-5, and five, two games out of first place. There's a whole bunch of other teams right there, but you have to feel good at least right now where they're at coming off, especially with their schedule. There's some tough games there, there's no doubt, including on Wednesday at Minnesota and they have to go to Nebraska and they have some other tough games on the road, but it's possible. I mean, they 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 can either whether it's twelve and eight or eleven and nine or ten and ten, whatever it is. Ten and ten gets them in the tournament too, but eleven and nine, twelve and eight finalize it.
1: As Wisconsin ended the week, the Badgers were in seventh place in the Big Ten. They're two games out of first place, so a lot can change very quickly. And you're right; I think they're in great position right now. That was their sixth quadrant one victory. I know we've sort of been keeping track of that for uh, the entire season. But yeah. they, at the start of the weekend, there were only four teams that had more. Kansas had eight. Baylor, Butler, Seton Hall had seven. So for Wisconsin to have six quadrant one wins, it's a pretty strong NCAA tournament resume. You, it would have to go sideways in a way that I don't think we foresee for them to not get in at this point.
0: All right, a little sold or not sold now. We, we, I mentioned the Brad Davison thing, but uh, we'll start with this one. The Big Ten was making an example of Brad Davison by suspending him. I'm,
1: I'm not sold on that. I think I, I guess I would ask what you mean by that because is it is it well, it's a for flagrant. future? Is it to tell future players that if you do something similar, you're going to
0: get suspended? Well, th- he had a flagrant one, right? Yes. Flagrant, and he didn't get suspended. He didn't get like thrown out of the game. He it wasn't like Illinois where the the uh, Griffin got thrown out of the game by, stom- by stomp by stomping on him. But that was intentional, right? That's they're saying that that was intentional. They didn't throw. He did not. uh, Brad Davison, despite the fact that he, I mean, obviously he did not hit uh, McCaffrey in the uh, in the uh, where a lot of people think he hit him. He didn't do it. He wrapped his arm around a leg, but because of what happened with Joey Hauser, and I guess some people have pointed to the Minnesota game last year where people are trying to say he put his foot underneath uh, Jordan Murphy when he was coming down on on a rebound. Did not get a foul for that one, but. And I, I do think it's a new commissioner wanting to have a little bit of a, maybe a, a, a harder hand or a, a, um, a stronger hand on, on this type of stuff. But in Gregar talked about it, giving a suspension for a flagrant one is kind of perhaps going down a slope and, and where does that end? And there were some other coaches that reached out to him saying, I agree. I'll, you're
1: right. Greg said on multiple occasions that he questioned how anyone could legislate intent. Right, uh, and he did say it was a slippery slope when you start handing out suspensions for flagrant runs. Having said that, I'll, I'll answer it this way: I think the suspension was warranted, even though it took.
0: No, you didn't. We talked about this last week. You said you you didn't think he should be suspended.
1: I I, I didn't at the time, but in in retrospect, their rationale uh, it makes sense to me.
0: Like for people, we, when we recorded the episode on Wednesday. Just, just put it out there. You said it was kind of it was. You didn't think he should be suspended. I didn't think he would be suspended because and didn't think, exact, and didn't think he should be. I guess
1: fine. I'll, I'll I've changed my mind. Think, okay, All right. <laughs>
0: because and um, that's okay. I'm just saying.
1: I I do think that the Big Ten making a point to say that a previous pattern of behavior has been established is a big reason why this makes sense. Um, and and maybe that's not fair, but you know you build up this bank of whether you've, if you've never had anything happen to you and this happens, you can chalk it up to it's a one-off, but when you've got separate instances and and that to me, it's not about, you know, the potential tripping of Jordan Murphy or some of these, some of these other things, it might be to other people, but the exact same way you fight around a screen and then that's, you know, that's not how you fight around a screen. And so I, it makes sense to me. And so maybe in that respect, they are making an example of Brad. I, I guess it's not necessarily maybe it is for, for other players to say if you do this you'll get suspended. But I think it's more about what Brad has done in the past to tell him you've got to
0: stop this. Personally, I I'd love to uh, I'd I'd like to know if there had been conversations with Wisconsin in the past about him. I'm sure or, there have. Or, or whether this was this was straight up. And and Greg talked about that. He said he was looking for answers after after they came down. And he didn't get any. Like he had, he had questions about certain things, and the Big Ten never got back to him on, on certain aspects of of this happening. Well, I guess I don't really have a problem with being suspended. The timing seems a little off. Yes, I would be upset if I was Wisconsin. It feels like someone got in the Big Ten's ear and like you need to do this. Like if it 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 does not take forty eight hours or forty hours or whatever it was between the end of Monday's game, and when the actual suspension came down on Wednesday, it's not like Wisconsin had a chance to appeal it. So it's not like it came down Tuesday, they appealed it, and then it was finalized on Wednesday. They didn't actually, weren't aware that it was being reviewed until Wednesday night. That is not, that's not right. And it feels like somebody got in the Big Ten's ear to push them to doing this. Oh, I 100% agree that the timing of it is problematic. And we all know who pushed them to do this. We all know who was in their ear. It was the hothead Fran McCaffrey, no, I'm just kidding. I don't. I don't know that, but I feel like I feel like someone had to be pushing them to do this. I do think I'm, I agree 100 percent that the timing was it, it, it was poor.
1: You make this decision on Tuesday, you give the team enough time to recover, and if you're going to do it, then you do it. Right. You know, you're practicing for a couple days, and then your strategy has to change. That's not really fair to Wisconsin. I think while we're on this topic, though, I wanted to mention. I thought there were some great quotes in a piece by Seth Davis, uh, who's a national college basketball reporter for the Athletic. He talked to Brad. And he talked to Greg over the weekend. Um, and I'll start with what Greg said because um, even though he, I thought I haven't heard him say this about Brad in this way, but he said, let's call it what it is. He's not overly gifted. If he doesn't play his butt off, he can't play at the high major level. He has to put himself on the edge because that's the only way he can survive. He gets caught in some weird situations, but it's not intentional. I just, that quote was really fascinating to me. I don't, I thought that was interesting. No,
0: it was. It definitely is. There's no doubt about it. And there were some other, quotes in that story from brad talking about how he would never want to hit somebody (laughs) in the nuts because that's the last as a guy that's the last place you would want to do that and and again he didn't do that to counter mccaffrey so either way moving on michigan state lost the game more than wisconsin won it so they're not sold i'm
1: i'm not sold even though Izzo said after the game and he called it embarrassing and he he said that
0: Oh, the first half, right? The first half. Because they, the they half. didn't defend anybody, allegedly.
1: Wisconsin went out and shot 57.7%. Yeah. I mean, we've seen plenty of games where they had uncontested shots and shot 35%. So oh, Wisconsin heck, absolutely that was, won that, was that, that the game. End,
0: that was the end of the Iowa game.
1: The Badgers absolutely won that game. They deserve the credit. And we knew Michigan State was too good not to make a run, right? It was 48 to 30 Trice hit this really long three-pointer, and then all of a sudden the Spartans go on a 17-2 run, and it ended when Cassius Winston buried a jumper inside the three-point line. It's a three-point game. They showed a lot of character. They went on a 7-0 run right away, and then that score was it was not as close as the final score indicates, 64-63. Winston hit a couple late threes. It was really a seven-point game, and it was a seven-point game for four straight minutes. Yeah. Michigan State hit a three, and for four, and a half, four minutes no one even scored. So I don't even... That's not even a thought in my mind. Sure, Michigan State contributed to losing that game, but Wisconsin absolutely went out and did what it needed to do.
0: Uh, Dimitri Trice is the most important player on Wisconsin's roster, sold or not sold. Wow. Because I think he's been playing really well of late. Well, he might be now that
1: Kobe's gone. I mean, because of what he ha- has to do. I mean, the, he played 39 minutes. Now, yeah. Brevin Pritzel played 39 minutes yes. as well, which was a season high, but Brevin's not a starter when, when Brad Davison isn't suspended. At least we think. Well, that's uh, a question.
0: Like, I think that, I think there was some talk on Twitter about yeah. it. Yeah. Keeping that same starting lineup because they got off to a good start. I don't see it happening just because of who Brad is. Like, I don't, you could tell that he was coaching on the sideline. Like his voice is the only one that you can really hear when they're playing defense. And I, I feel like Greg wants that on the court. And so I, I ca I'd be shocked, shocked if he's not back in the starting lineup on Wednesday.
1: Oh, I agree. I, I think I'd still say Nate Reavers though, about this question. Just because I mean, we haven't mentioned him once. He was the
0: team's leading scorer in that he game. was. he had it was. Very, it was a quiet 15. It was, but and he also had what? 3 rebounds? Yeah. How does a 6'11 guy with that many missed shots have 3 rebounds?
1: There's some big dudes on the other end. I mean, he, sometimes he struggles especially with those really physical guys, but you know what I'm saying though. Yeah. Right? I, it's one of those two, right? At least in my mind, I mean, yeah. from a, from a backcourt I, perspective, Dimitri has to step up and he acknowledged it after the Iowa game that he felt a little more sense of responsibility right. without Kobe.
0: Yeah. he has to be more aggressive and he didn't shoot it well. I mean, he, neither him or, uh, or Brevin necessarily shot the ball well, but they did other things. Uh, Meech had what? Seven assists to go, uh, with just one turnover. Or was Again, was it six? 14.6 rebounds, five assists, five but. assists. Excuse me. I was thinking, I think he had seven assists against Iowa. Uh but yeah I mean he doesn't he didn't shoot it well necessarily went six and nine from the free throw line a couple of, couple of big ones there but he just when he's playing well and he's moving the ball and they're they're getting a lot of movement it's because of him and I feel like that has got to be something that has to continue on for them to to be successful the rest of the year like his his play especially without Kobe scoring wise has to pick up too
1: I think this was a perfect example of what we've been talking about the whole season, about how there are multiple guys on the team that need to contribute. It's not just, we're going to ride with this one guy. We haven't even mentioned Aleem Ford yet. Greg Gard said it was that's, the best game yeah, yeah. he thought Aleem had played in his career. Maybe we'll get to that. But they had four players score in double figures. That's only the second time in Big Ten play that that's happened for Wisconsin. And that, that has to be the formula for success.
0: Yeah, Aleem, had, Aleem actually had the last bucket for Wisconsin, which came with 727 left in regulation. When you score with seven, like your last bucket, your last field goal is with seven twenty-seven left. Usually, you lose those games, especially in tight games, and they didn't uh, because they did all the other things well and uh, kept Michigan State uh, from from getting a lot of easy shots outside of Xavier Tillman's uh, few few misses at the at the uh, at the rim. But look, they they played well enough to win, and I would agree with you. Wisconsin won that, not Michigan State lost it. Now being joined by the Wisconsin State Journal's Jim Polzine. Jim, it's been a obviously a very busy week for Wisconsin, busy week for you. Uh, the Kobe King story broke Monday as the Badgers getting ready to take on Iowa, and then on Wednesday, obviously, he announced that he is leaving the or that it's announced that he's leaving the program you caught up with him on Thursday to hear what he had to say and he had some you know pretty significant things uh, to say about Greg Gard about the program some of the things that he thought were not proper in the way that he was that he was talked to and maybe also through some of his teammates in there as well but when you when you step back and you look at that conversation that you had with him what's the one line that stands out one line that that stays with you
2: well i guess i guess the one thing that stood out to me is yeah, you know, I went into that conversation wondering why, because I think, like everyone else, I was stunned that he would leave when he did. Um, so finding out why, and, and his Instagram post wasn't, you know, there was some stuff there, but there was, you know, nothing. It was kind of general. So when he told me that it was, it was mainly that his issues were with Greg Gard and, and as he put it, how um, he and others were talked to by Greg Gard, that's, that's probably the most surprising thing now. I realized everybody probably read that story and wants specifics and, and details. And, you know, I, I, I kind of left the conversation thinking at some point Kobe might have more to tell, but you know, it's, it was, it was a lot of a 45 minute conversation and, you know, I think there were a lot of things that came out of it that were surprising to me. Um But, you know, Greg Gard had his chance to respond to it and I thought, you know, did a pretty good job and, 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 and here we are. And then, you know, for them to come out two days later and play like that, I thought was, I thought was um, big. They played hard for 40 minutes, beat a really good team. Um, I, I thought that was a really good response
1: by the program. Jim, Kobe said that other players are frustrated with how they're handled by Greg. Um, you mentioned that was one of your more significant takeaways from the story. Do you think that comment is something that could linger around the program? Or what, what do you think the long-term impact is of Kobe saying something like that?
2: Well, I mean, the thing is, you know, again, it's a, it's a very general statement, and certainly no one, I guess my takeaway was, no one's as frustrated as Kobe was, right? I mean, he's, he's so miserable that he's walked away with half of the Big Ten regular season left, right? I don't think that's going to happen for anybody else. I don't see, and certainly if you look at the faces on, on Saturday of the guys that played. You know, they played hard for, the, for each other. They played hard for the program. Um, nobody looked unhappy out there. I, you know, they didn't see any body language in the team that rallied around, um, you know, the coach and the program. So I don't know if anything's going to be lingering um, throughout the season. I, I really don't know. What happens if they have a little effort, if they lose two at straight. um if they, you know, end up on the wrong side of the bubble, I don't know. But I thought Saturday was kind of a telling moment in time of just how how they responded. And it's also not to say that there aren't players frustrated, but maybe, you know, maybe they're just not as frustrated as, as Kobe, and maybe it's just normal. I think, co- I think players get frustrated all the time with their coaches, and they probably get offended by the stuff that coaches say. Um, but nobody certainly was to the level of Kobe uh, who, you know, just felt it was time to walk away.
1: Were you surprised that Kobe decided to do an interview in the first place?
2: A little bit. Uh, I mean I had reached out right after his announcement came out and said, Hey, you know, can we talk? And then had talked to some people in his life, um and in his inner circle and I think what maybe tipped um well, maybe tipped it in the favor of talking were the you know, Andy Katz going on and saying what he did and blasting him and social media was blasting him and you know, there's there was you know, it was basically Kobe King is a quitter, um, how can he do this to his teammates? Um, I just felt like he felt like he needed to talk, right? Like, hey, I need to get out and explain some of this. Now, I, he obviously wasn't ready to explain everything and give uh, and give details, but I think he wanted to be have his some of his story out there to tell. And you know, I don't know that I'm special in this scenario. I think that could have been anybody he talked to. I do think that the fact that I wrote that story about him and his his mom and his you know his his estranged NBA father. Um, in November, I think that gave me a little bit of an edge because I think he trusted me to tell that story, and the way that that story was, you know, handled, I think he was he was happy with. This family was happy with. So, you know, I think that's all it was. I, he was going to tell a story to somebody, um, whether it was me or or somebody else on the beat or somebody nationally. So, I, I just think he thought it was okay that he did it with me.
0: I can talk with Jim Polzine from the Wisconsin State Journal here on the swing, uh, Jim. Flashing forward to Saturday, and obviously it has a lot to do with the team not maybe playing awesome. You know, losing three or four. But when Greg Gard was introduced on Saturday, there were some boos from different parts of the the Kohl Center. I think it's the first time I've ever heard them. I think obviously I didn't even notice that. Oh, you didn't. Okay. Yeah. No. Th- yeah. No. There were there were some. There were. It was noticeable. Um, now okay. it wasn't. It wasn't overwhelming. But obviously, if you didn't hear it, so I don't even know. You probably even, even think about this. But like with the, you, you mentioned the social media killing Kobe, they are also killing Greg Gard, largest, large, right. you know, fire Greg Gard, that type of stuff. How do you view his position right now? Obviously, it's all about, a lot about winning, but now you have a player coming out and saying this, you have some fans that are obviously at least a little bit uh, upset. How would you view his spot
2: as the head coach of the Badgers right now? Yeah, I wish I knew if there was a good way to get like a, you know, like a, if you have an election you, um, you know, people vote and you end up finding out what the what the voting totals were, yeah, right? Yeah. Who voted for who? And I guess I don't have a good gauge on, on how people feel. I mean, you go on social media and Twitter, you're overwhelmingly going to hear negative comments. Yeah. Now, after wins, you hear the pro guard come out and kind of, you know, do their dance in front of the anti-guard crowd. After losses, you hear the fire guard crowd come out loud and clear. And I don't like basing stuff off of social media. I just I think it's just echo chamber, and you can't judge. Um, I've always thought there was sort of a generational... Um, yeah, difference. You know, like people that have been around this program and, and have seen how hard it is to win over a long time are probably okay. This guy's doing a pretty decent job. He's not Bo, but was anybody ever going to be Bo who won seventy percent of his games and his final full two seasons ended in final four runs? No. I mean, I don't know who they could have brought in short of Tony Bennett that would have um, kept the program at that level. I think there was bound to be some slippage. Um, so I don't know. I don't, and I, I and I think. You know the question you asked was, um, you know, I think it it comes down to where it goes from here. It's they're 13 and 9 right now and coming off a big win. So today on February 3rd or whatever, I think he's fine. But let's see how the end of the season goes. And then the other complicated issue here is that he's got nine committed recruits over the next two years. I mean, six of which have signed and, and three of which are unsigned yet. But it seems like the future is bright in terms of of recruiting. They they got guys they wanted. So if they can get through this, this this end of the season, get to the tournament, um, you know, I, I think things are looking fine. Um, you know, Kobe coming out and, and saying what he did and, and him leaving what he did is, is certainly a black eye, but, you know, Oti wrote this last week. Greg Gard's done some of his best work in when it seems, you know, things are going just terrible. The first season, um, you know, I thought he handled the Howard Moore crash and, and, that, and that tragedy really well and kind of rallied everybody together. There's been various other points where, where where things don't look good, and they end up, you know, the program ends up rallying around him, and I think that's a sign of leadership. I really do. So, you know, I think we have to see what happens over the course of the end of this season, and and you know, and frankly, a lot of people are going to base their opinions based uh, off of uh, the NCAA tournament, right? I mean, if they go one and done again, and it's been three years since they won an NCAA tournament game, then you know the seat probably gets a little bit warmer, but. Also, none of our opinions matter all that much. It, it really comes down to what Barry Alvarez and the people in, in his inner circle believe. And I guess I have no indication right now that, that Barry's unhappy. Uh,
0: just wanted to follow up real quickly, and maybe this yeah. is maybe this is kind of a just you know inside baseball thing. Are you surprised that uh, Barry Alvarez declined an interview request? I mean, I feel like he never declines an interview request. Every time yeah. anybody asks, and, and it's not like it's maybe he didn't have anything to say at that point, but. He's the athletic director of a program, and a guy just walked away from a program saying that he was mistreated by the coach or felt mistreated by the coach, and to not have a comment about that seems a little bit uh, a little eye opening. I would say
2: my guess is he probably just wanted to get gather more information on the situation, and I, I really wish he would have done it. When I called his office Friday morning, I wish he would have, you know got on the phone and said, "Hey, I know why you're calling. Um, I understand why you're calling, but I'm not. You know, I, I, I want to find out more before I comment." Sure, and that would have I think that would have ended up looking better to people than, you know, I'm not talking now. And after the 5 board meeting, I'm, you know, getting out of there before anybody has a chance to approach me. So that's only, I mean, I really think, you know, frankly, that story had just come out. I don't know when Barry read it, whether he read it was a Thursday night or a Friday morning, but right. I'm sure they do want to talk to Kobe and, and see, you know, will he tell them stuff that he wouldn't tell me?
0: Yeah.
1: Jim, there were some opinions during the week that Kobe leaving was a style of play issue with Wisconsin, you did a good job of dispelling that notion at least a little bit when you asked Kobe about it. But do you think that the national pundits or the, the talk around the program this week was fair or off base? And what is your view of of the program and, and maybe that aspect of it, the, the whole notion of, of style of play?
2: Yeah, I mean, Tyler Harrell chiming in didn't help matters any. And, you know, like I've told others, you know, for ten months Tyler Hero thought that this program was just fine. I mean he picked Wisconsin over a pretty good list of schools that included Arizona and, and you know, Marquette and other more up tempo styles. Um, and for ten months he stuck with that commitment. It was only when, you know, Kentucky came in and and, you know, that he changed his mind. And I, like again, I've said this a million times too, but he made the right decision. I think Kentucky was the right place for him. He's in the NBA right now because of um, you know, being able to play at Kentucky for a year and have a good year there. And he's probably right. He might still be at UW if had he, had he come here. Um, but I think this style can win games. I mean, Virginia won a national championship playing essentially this style, right? Um, Wisconsin has gotten to final fours playing this style. So I think this, I think it's challenging to recruit here. I've always said that. Um, I think you need to find the right guys. And I think, I believe Greg Gard, um, And his staff want to play a little bit more up tempo. They just need the guys to do it. And I think they've they believe they've found some guys in the next couple classes that will are a little bit more athletic and will allow them to play a little bit more up tempo. Um, So, and if you watch, listen, if you watch that game on Saturday, you know it's not the running gun Badgers, but they were taking a lot of shots early in the shot clock, and and it was pretty clear that Greg Gard has given his players the green light. If there's a shot there early, um, take it. You know, because cause who knows if you're going to get a better one along the way. And so I, I saw, at least in the first half, I saw guys playing pretty freely and, you know, with confidence.
0: Obviously the Kobe story was a big one, but then obviously Brad being suspended for a flagrant foul. Uh, the, the flagrant foul against Iowa was suspended for the Michigan State game. Uh, a lot of people coming out and, and saying he is a dirty player. I think it's a conversation that we've had. You know, pretty much since, well, that's not fair. I mean, pretty much since he's come here, there's there's different interpretations of whether he plays hard or he takes it over the line. This certainly nationally is not a, is never, he's never going to get the benefit <laughs> of the doubt nationally. But you personally, when you, when you looked at that play and, and you have the basis of all your, of watching him prior, what did you think of that play and, and what do you think of him as quote unquote dirty player?
2: Yeah. I mean, man, it's, it's so, I think anybody who's dealt with him, um, it's it's just it's so hard to balance that because off the court he's you know he's a really good guy to deal with um, I think he gives insightful strong answers um, you know there was a time I, it might still be true that he was leading the athletic department student athletes um, in community service hours right so he's off the court he's he does everything right and I think is you know a, a, someone that people alumni can be really proud of but there have been times on the court where where it's just it's it's hard to, you know, it, it's hard to look at that play against Marquette and then this one, and you just can't ignore it. And it, it those plays happen I'm not going to sit here and say that was his intent. Um, I'm not inside of his mind. So for me to call him a dirty player, I think, would be out of line. Um, but I like I've said before, I don't have a problem with the Big Ten suspending him because those aren't the way – it's not the way Wisconsin's taught to go around screens. And twice now um, – He's made contact with the growing region of, of opposing players at critical moments in games. Um, so, if that's the pattern of behavior uh, the Big Ten is talking about, then I have no problem with the one-game suspension. Um, now, unfortunately, that gets you know a, a conference doing that gets Brad branded as a dirty player, and when you add in all the other things, the Minnesota game last year, that again the Big Ten took a look at that play and, and didn't think anything was wrong with it. The Big Ten clearly took a look at the Hauser play from last season and, and didn't do anything off of that. But this is a new commissioner, and, and I think it's pretty clear that this new commissioner wants to, you know, set a tone, and, and he's done that with two suspensions, and um, you know, in his tenure already, one of which was Davidson.
1: Jim, you've covered Greg Gard for every game that he's coached since he took over for Bo. You've known him for a long time. Um, how significant do you think that victory against Michigan State was for him and for this program? I don't know if it's fair to ask you to rank them, but I might ask you anyway. Um, <laughs> where does that one rank, based on what would have been swirling around the program and and what it meant for for Greg?
2: Yeah, it's got to be right up there. I mean, in terms of significance, the, the only ones I can can think of that are close are you know beating Villanova in the in the round of 32 to get to the Sweet 16 because without that second Sweet 16 um, on his resume, I think. You know, I think people are a little bit more unhappy, but that that win certainly was big. There were some wins that first season that, frankly, got him the job. You know, winning at Maryland was huge. Beating Michigan State by a point um, here was was huge. So it's certainly top five. I haven't really thought about you know where they rank, but I you know I just think not only was it that they won, shorthanded, right? I mean, the fact that they were shorthanded and beat a, a really good team, I think, was huge. But the flip side is had they lost an 18 point lead in the second half um, to end a week that had been just brutal for the program, it would have, I, I can't even imagine what the mood would have been or, or how you pick yourself up off the, off the court like that. Um, so I, I just thought it was important just to get out of there. You know, second half wasn't pretty by any means offensively, but they had to find a way to win it, that game. And they did. And, and now I think the next challenge is, is building off of it. I mean, it's, you know, like Tom Mizzo said, a week like that you can play hard and and play off emotions. Um, but what happens in in games two and three? And and the one thing this program has struggled with this season is consistency and kind of getting on a roll and winning. You know, putting together a winning, a long winning streak. So there's still time to to you know make a run at a Big Ten title here. I know they're two games back with nine to go, but the best part of their schedule is still remaining and uh, pretty favorable games at home. Um, if they can get on a run here and and improve their NCA seating, who knows? I mean, you know, maybe this team can can make a splash in March. But um, but to do that, I think they really had to win that game Saturday, and and and, and that was huge.
0: What what if one of those Xavier Tillman plays actually goes in? You
2: know, and obviously, and
0: obviously they it wasn't sixty four sixty three. It was they were up by seven in the last in the last minute, so it wasn't as close as that that was. But. There are a lot of things could have gone one way or the other in that game, and, and they ended up coming up Wisconsin's way, and, and Wisconsin got the win that they desperately needed, and uh, we'll see what happens on Wednesday when they go to Minnesota. Jim, thank you very much. My pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me. All right, me. there he is, Jim Polzine from the Wisconsin State Journal. All right, uh, we'll start with uh, Will. He asks, uh, loved the aggressiveness, especially in the first half. Was there anything besides driving more and looking for more shots that I missed? In terms of their success in the first half, yeah, it was just making you made shots, man. <laughs> I know, I know that is that's usually what it is, right? But like Brevin had that back down. He he pulled a Kobe. Oh yeah, pulled a Kobe.
1: I I thought that was great. Like, he was he was firing, and he knew that it probably didn't matter. Like he had the green light, it's, and that's the that's the honestly that's the Brevin that I think we all want to see.
0: Oh for sure. He was only two for seven, but you still felt like I still felt like almost every time he shot it, there weren't bad shots. Right, two for seven. I'm saying from three. He also had the the miracle uh, throw up underneath the basket that went in, but I don't think that there there really was. They moved the ball better and got better looks. Michigan State didn't necessarily guard great there in the first half, um, but I thought Wisconsin had some some good looks in the second half that didn't that didn't go down. But again, they also hit some tough shots. He leaned forward. This this either his first or second three was NBA range, and there was a guy in his face.
1: Yeah, uh, he had a step back. I think he, I think it was a two. He was in front of the line, but it was just. I was oh, even yeah. as it and that happened was the that first shot. Man, that is a bad shot. And it went in and well, it, was it, was like,
0: of, it was at the end of the shot clock. He didn't really have a choice. But, but
1: it was just like not a shot you would normally want no. Aleem to take, and he nailed it, and it's like, oh, it's one of those days.
0: I feel like Wiscons and maybe this is just because I see Wisconsin more than anybody else. When guys don't think and they just play, they're so much better. Aleem, when he doesn't think when he's not thinking, he just goes and plays. And he was you know what? To be fair to him, he was aggressive against Iowa, but he got into foul trouble. He I mean it did it wasn't Didn't always look great, but he was aggressive against Iowa. But he got in foul trouble, and and so he was kind of limited there. But when he's aggressive, they're a better team. And we saw aggressiveness at the beginning of the year. But they are much, much better team when he's aggressive. And yeah, and Brevin, when Brevin doesn't think he just shoots, just go shoot it. There's, there's. I mean, what's the worst that's going to happen? You're going to miss it. Who cares, right? Everyone else misses. Everyone else is missing too, right? Take if it's if it's an okay, somewhat okay shot, take it. Aleem really is
1: an X factor on this team. He had gone the entire month of January without scoring in double figures once. He didn't even get more than eight points. And so when, when you add that into the mix with what some of these other guys can do, we saw how big of a difference it can make.
0: CT Badger asks, when it's the stripe-out game and the guy sitting next to you is wearing the wrong color, do you say anything to him? Yes. <laughs> there I were think, a lot of
1: people that... I noticed that too. Yeah, there were, there were quite a few. You had one job, man. I guess two. <laughs> Show up to the game. Show That's up the most game. important.
0: Show up to the game and wear the right color. Yes. I mean, it's not that hard. There's only two of them. There's only two colors to choose from. It's not like you have a, like it's not like this is some kind of stripe out where it's every other or you know, two colors. Obviously, did not get the memo. Did not. It's the second time they've done it too. Like if you went to the first game, which I believe was Marquette, where you had the stripe out, like, or was that a white out? Was that a that was the white out? And there were people, yeah. Like, come on, it's not that hard. It's it's white or red. That's why you should just have a reversible. They they should just have reversible T-shirts. Where you could have, I like that idea. I, think they I like should. where your head is at. Yeah, yeah, I think they should. See, He follows up, CT Badger asks, any insights on the recurring trend of Badger's struggles on offense in the final minutes of game? Exhaustion, opponent desperation, lack of a true breakdown point guard?
1: I don't think it's the last thing, because Dimitri can get his shot off, and we see what he does when he comes off a screen dribbling to his right. That's a shot. Michigan State is a pretty good team and got it together for long enough to get itself into the game. Wisconsin did not shoot very well, but I... I I don't know. I still give the team credit. They they could have folded. It was fifty forty seven, and they got the buckets that they needed. Even though the last seven and a half minutes went without a field goal, I, I mean, I I don't look. It's hard to look at a negative out of that game. You can look at a negative from no, there's from, there's plenty of negatives
0: to look out of that game. Well,
1: the the overall outcome, like they, yeah, it, it, they five days earlier, they have a twelve point lead against Iowa and get outscored twenty three to five. That's a problem because you lost the game. Yeah,
0: I just it's not a big. They won the game. That's they did, what but you can't. Is. I mean, you can't just overlook the problems, though that they they had. I mean, you, I mean, obviously you can, you are. <laughs> but nine, like nine points in the last fifteen minutes of the of the last two games, like the f- seven minutes against Iowa, last seven minutes against Michigan State, you've scored nine points. Is that is that not a concern? And, uh, and it's what's a convenience statistic. What do, and what do you, <laughs> It's an important statistic. Only if they lost to Michigan State. No, it's no. Come on, come on. Like we can ignore all the bad things they do if they if they win, is that what we're saying?
1: It's I'm I, choosing to Here's the thing, <laughs> in, in that
0: situation, because of what had transpired, any win's a great win. Yeah. Any way it happens. Yeah. But it doesn't totally absolve them of the situation they were in. Now, give credit to Michigan State, they had the best field goal defense in the Big Ten coming into that game. So that is you have to at least acknowledge that too. But the la the, the end of the end of shot clock or the end of uh, game, those droughts, not ideal, not ideal for success in late February, early March. No, we've seen it all season, really. We have, but not that well. Not that bad. Mm, seven minutes. They had
1: fifteen points in the first half against Purdue. That they did, but that games was games ago. But
0: that was the first half. Well, we're talking about the end of the second half. Last seven. Yeah, no, it hasn't been good. It hasn't been good. I will say this: they totally, they're them catching fire at the end of uh, not catching fire, but. Scoring a bunch of points at the end of the Purdue game really ruined something for me. I, the entire second half, I was doing research on the fewest points they'd scored in a game, and they were they were so close. Not, I mean, fewest points scored in a Big Ten game over the last twenty years or something like that. And they, you know, obviously had the Big Ten tournament game that they only had thirty three, but past that, there were there were some games in there where they only had like forty something. A lot of them during the Dick Bennett era, to be honest with you, last twenty five years or so. Totally ruined it by by scoring some points there at the end. I don't know why they had to do that. But is a McCarthyistic method of tracking the names of those calling for guards' jobs something we can or should do? I say yes. Yes, it is. That according to Adam. Um, what is it? Like a spreadsheet? McCarthyistic. You you
1: have a a list of people that you refuse to speak with?
0: Originally, I thought he was talking about Mike McCarthy. I'm like, that doesn't really make any sense, but he's talking about... Oh, communism? He's talking about Senator McCarthy. We went way
1: back. Way back.
0: I believe, I believe, yeah, a McCarthyistic method of tracking the names of those calling for guards job as you would would track the names of, uh, of communists. I was going to say, I was not aware that Mike McCarthy was into that. Yeah, no, no. That kind of makes more sense to me now that I think about it. Look, there are going to be, there are, there are people, that's what people are going to do. I mean, and and Jim talked about it, as you heard in the last segment, he talked about that. And I feel like it does skew towards the younger uh people in this fan base, especially those that are currently in school right now. Uh, I believe, at least from, from what I could tell, being there in the stadium, a majority of the the booze came from the student section when, when Greg Gard's name was announced. You had the signs up in... Uh, one of the dorms downtown saying fire great guard now or fire was it fire great guard asap like you have that's that's the type of people that are doing this like it's a lot of skews younger so you would be putting a lot of high school and college kids names on that list i don't think we want to do that but
1: i think the good news is that greg isn't listening to this stuff or at least isn't
0: but we can't say that go ahead
1: He's not on Twitter sifting through. If you he is were on to Twitter, follow he Wisconsin... He is on Twitter. But... Well, sifting through what people are saying, at least I don't think he is. If you were to follow Wisconsin's basketball Twitter account where they'll post score updates from games, in the same game you will get fire guard because Purdue's on a 17-4 to run and Wisconsin's losing by six. And then... or Or pick any game where Wisconsin has a rough seven-minute stretch and then all of a sudden wins. You know, the crickets after the game when Wisconsin wins. It's just... It's total nonsense, and you, you, if you're in the program, you can't get caught up in that because it would just completely drain you. You would be mentally unengaged and not be able to focus on anything else. It's, it never stops in this 24-7 social media world, and it's not really fair for the most part.
0: Well, you say Greg Gard is not affected by it. I think this past week did affect his family. I, I do think that there were probably count on a single hand how many times I've seen his family in a post-game press conference. And maybe that the fact that it was a day game and it was, you know, early afternoon and it wasn't like standing there at 10, 1030 at night. But the majority of his immediate family was, was there. And I do think it bothers them. I do think the things that are said about him bother them. They're in the community. They're in the, the kids have to go to school. They have to hear that type of stuff. I think it does affect that. And so while he doesn't have to, I'm sure he's hearing it from other places. And that's unfortunate. But again, it's also, to be fair... Something that comes with the job. But Wisconsin got the uh, the win they needed to against Michigan State. They now go to Minnesota to face the Gophers, who are uh, also desperately trying to get some wins to get themselves into the uh, NCAA tournament. They are, they're in the 40s, right? Uh, 44, I believe, in the net rankings. Uh, Wisconsin is 32. They actually went down after they beat Michigan State. So that makes a whole lot of sense. Um, but we'll see. It's a big week for them. They got Minnesota and then they welcome Ohio State at the Kohl Center where they're going to be welcoming back the Final Four team from uh, 2000 and celebrating with their their throwbacks. The throwbacks are nice. Do you see them? I did see them. They're nice.
1: They're not bad. Are They're not better than... I the, like the Black History Month uh, February jerseys, yeah. jerseys from a few the, years ago. It's not, not even so much ones. It's
0: not even so much the jerseys. The it's shorts. the shorts with the old school Bucky on it. Oh, yeah. Which you got. You got them, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you went out and got them. You can't find them anywhere else. Like there's No one's having them for sale. N- nothing. But... Uh, they got some nice throwbacks. I actually kind of like their throwbacks much better than I like their regular uniforms. Yeah, either way. Jesse, thank you. Thanks, Zach. You've been listening to The Swing here on the Wisconsin Zone Radio Network.